If you're in financial trouble, budget. Well, really, you ought to be budgeting regardless, but all the more if you're in trouble. The first part of your budget ought to be the tithe. I said the first part, not the last part or the second part. Other giving. Now notice I use the word giving. You pay tithes, but you can give offerings. Like at the end of the first service, Pastor Steve blessed us with an offering. You know, that is not mandatory, but it is important you pay your tithe. Then you can give offerings. You can have a special offering for a summer youth camp. You can give offerings. You're not, it's not a compulsion. Other giving includes offerings and alms. You say, what do you mean by alms giving? Let's just say you just bought a new John Deere lawnmower. And you have your old one which still works. And there's a widow with a bunch of kids who's struggling. You can bless her with your other mower which is still in working condition. Put a new spark plug and all that. Make sure it's working. Fill it with gas. Go and show her how it works and bless her with it. You can, uh, so you can sow alms. Maybe you've got an extra $50 bill in your wallet today because you've got a bonus, you know, $500 bonus. Who knows? And uh, you know of a, of a widow, who, I keep hitting widow, widow who's struggling or a single mom who's got a bunch of kids or someone who's hurting. Bless them with that. You can sow arms. So you pay your tithes, you give offerings and sow arms. Do these and you will be able to invest the increase. You do these, you be faithful. And God will bless you. To the uh, sister just shared this with me. She's so right. We are blessed to be a blessing. Not to be hoarding it unto ourselves. We become like a stagnant pond. And after a while you watch a stagnant pond. It's coated with scum on the top. Algae. So you do this, you will be able to invest the increase. And now you'll be able to operate in the parable of the talents. In the parable of the talents... The Lord Jesus himself is speaking and says, a certain rich man who's going on a long journey, he called us three servants or stewards. That is why we teach stewardship. And to one he gave five, to the other two, the other one. The one with five doubled to ten, two doubled to four. One, he dug a hole in the ground. And the master came back. He said, I know you were a tough dude, so I, I dug a hole. And he said, you, you're so lazy, good for nothing. Fella. At least you're going to put in the bank and got some interest. So, cast him out. Now watch this. Did Jesus say to give that one talent to the guy who now had four or to the guy who had ten? Ten. But see, in some of our minds, we have this mindset, oh, well, this guy, this guy only got four. Let's give it to him. To him who has much, even more will be given. You know how that person got much? Because while we were watching cable TV, they were working. And then we have the audacity to be jealous of them and say, let them pay more taxes and give me the money. Did you get my point? Okay. I hope you're listening to that. Leviticus 27.32 says, And concerning the tithe, the tenth shall be holy to the Lord. Just in case someone's not sure, where does it say in scriptures 10%? There you are. 10%. Tithing should be on the gross income, not the net income. By gross income. Let's just make it simple. I'm a high school leaver. I've just got a job at Burger King and I'm getting I'm told I get a hundred dollars for the hours I put in each week. So I get my paycheck from Burger King, it says hundred dollars, but then you have FICA, federal income tax, PA, state, and then Lancaster we have county tax also. And then you have your social security, whatever. So by the time the kid goes to the bank and cashes the check, he might only get eighty bucks. So what should the young person do, or any of us who are running businesses do? Should that person Pay $10 tax or $8 tax? What I used to do... Okay, let me preface this by saying something. Getting over this right now. 
I believe in the body of Christ. There's only two kinds of people. Begins with the letter T. Now don't walk out on me, please. You're either a tither or a thief. I speak to you as the son of a minister who was a former full-time professional thief. I'm not proud to say that. If anyone knew better, I should. And then guess what? I moved from being a full-time thief to a part-time thief. It's very hard to leave those crunchy ways, you know. Finally, God got a hold of me. And he made me a proper tither. I'll share that with you as I teach the second session for the people who just came. Next session, they have the first session. So, if that young person pays $8, they're tithing on the net income, right? Now, Uncle Sam, did he take his pound of flesh from the net income or the gross income? You know, you're smiling already, from the gross income. So if I tithe on the net income, my actions are demonstrating that I honor my government higher than I honor God. I earned $100. Tithing should be on the gross income, not the net. Romans 13.8 says, Oh, no man anything. I saw this bumper sticker in a car years ago when I lived in the States. And it's a takeoff from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. You know, they sing hi-ho, hi-ho. But sadly, that's the picture of many people's lives in the West. How sad. The Bible says to owe no man anything. Proverbs 22.7 Because the borrower is slave to the lender. The borrower is slave. Let me give you this picture. You buy a house. You have a mortgage. You say, so this is yours. This is my house. It's not your house. You've been fooled into thinking it's your house. The bank or the mortgage company owns the house. You stop paying for one month, you get a notice. Oh, they first take your penalty. Two months, three months, then you get foreclosure notice. As long as the banker or the mortgage company has that title deed, you don't have the title deed. It's like you're laying down and the bank manager's got his heel on your neck. Now, not offense if you're a bank manager here. I'm just giving you a picture here. They own the house, not you, my friend. So, it says, the borrower is slave to the lender. 1 Timothy 6, 6, Paul writes, Godliness with contentment is great gain. I did share in the earlier service. We are in debt as a nation, as individuals, not because we do not earn enough, but because we spend too much. We are a nation of discontents. I pray you are part of the exception to that statement. Philippians 4, 11, I have learned, says the Apostle Paul, in whatever state I am therewith to be content. That's the secret. Next time you whine and moan and you want, 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 want. Just think of a Chinese pastor who's in a communist prison. What else do you want now? Thank God for all that you have, which is over and above all our needs. Try never to borrow money on a depreciating item. First service I mentioned, I have never ever had a car loan in my life. We went from a $600 rust-eaten car to a $2,650. We went from a 1975 Plymouth Valiant then to a Chrysler Cordoba, which was a bit of a boat, but it had a few buzzing whistles, $2,650. And then, as I said earlier, in the five years, five months we paid off our house, our next car was a new car. 
we have never had a car payment in our lives. Stop being sucked into the system. I know some of us are saying, you know, but my parents, my grandparents, they all live this way. It's time to break the cycle then. So you're going to say, well, because my dad had three marriages, so I'm going to have four or five and eclipse him. Stop, break the cycle. We are the people of God. Called by his name. Christians should have an A1 credit rating. You go to the bank and then the loan officer says, I'm sorry, you don't qualify. You know why? That's because we've not been faithful in discharging our debts dutifully. And we are Christians. I ask you then, what's the difference between a child of God and a person out in the world? That is part of our testimony. The bank manager should look at it and say, wow, excellent credit rating. It's not how much you earn, it's what you do with what you earn. It's how you handle your affairs. Always pray and sleep over major decisions. Please hear this out. You go for a vacation, you're sitting on a park bench with your wife or whatever, and up walks this young folk coming and selling you timeshares. Or you're just about to sink your teeth into your chicken at home for dinner and your phone rings, someone soliciting if you don't have a call block or whatever, caller ID, and they're trying to sell you something. Hey, congratulations, you won a free trip for two. Yeah, you can bring your girlfriend if you're not married. Yeah, you're to Florida, come on. Oh, thank you, very nice. And as you give them your name, the next thing they want your credit card number. I said, I thought it was free. Click, the phone goes on. Don't get sucked into this stuff. And then they tell you, well, if you don't sign now, this deal is for now. You go into a place that want to make you a member or some kind of timeshare or some kind of purchasing organization. And if you don't sign now, it's over. You'll never have the offer again. Listen to me. Walk out from that unscrupulous salesperson. Walk out on them. Do not sign. Once you sign, don't come say, Pastor Steve, please pray for me. I got this 250 bucks extra a month I've got to pay now. So it's very spiritual to sleep over major decisions. They will not let you sleep over it. Ignore them. Walk out in them. Listen to what you heard this morning. Don't let this world squeeze you into its mold. Success does not lie in how much we can get, but in how much we can give and release into the lives of others. Leaders, eldership, beware. In churches I have seen, givers never kick. And kickers never give. So I encourage you, give to givers and not to beggars or kickers. Graduated tithing is a concept I heard on a certain financial program on radio. I won't name names. If it's negative, I won't. And this gentleman, who's very well known in these United States, said, you know what? Graduated tithing is like, well, if you've just gotten saved, And, oh my word, 10%, that's a lot of money. So, or I'm struggling financially, but that's a lot of money. And this gentleman on Christian radio said, well, why don't you start with maybe 3%? Then you can slowly work your way up to 5%. Now listen, I wasn't born in the United States. I was born in India, one of the poorest countries in the world. I don't find that theology in my Bible. I have the authority to challenge that. Either you obey the word of God or you're walking and living in disobedience. So now let me share with you why graduated tithing is wrong. Number one, there's no scriptural basis for it. And number two, let me give you this example. 
Let's say I'm the bad guy. I just got saved this Sunday. Pastor Steve preached an anointed message. I came up, I repented, and now I realize, you know what? It's awesome being a Christian, but I really have to, I, I have to tithe, okay? But I say, Pastor Steve, I have one hang-up, which is really going to be hard. What was it, Andrew? Well, you know, I sleep around. I was a licentious man, maybe 10 different women every month. So what if Pastor Steve says, well, I understand. Let's try and cut it down to seven women next month. <laughs> Either you pay your full 10% tithe from your gross income, or you're a thief. And I speak as a former full-time professional thief. Till God got a hold of me. So please don't think I'm pointing the finger at you. How do I spell success? This is not in your notes. How do we spell success? Here. W-O-R-K. Get off of your chair. <laughs> Get a job. Work. I worked two, three jobs. I was determined to get out of debt. And by the way, there's only one place in the world where success comes before work. That's in the dictionary. What awares the storehouse? In Malachi 3.10 it says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Some people will staunchly advocate that the storehouse is not the church. Because you know why? They want you to... Now by the way, we have a tax-exempt 501c3 organization. You know. So what if I were to say, insidiously, no, 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 the church is not the storehouse, you know, and then give you my flyer. What do you think that's implying? Put your money here into this organization instead. Or maybe it's a TV ministry. Hello. So keep listening closely. Anyone who operates like that, study the scripture. What is the storehouse? God says bring all tithe into the storehouse. Number one, the storehouse is nearby. In your home, how far from your favorite recliner is the pantry with the chips? And the fridge with the dip and the cookies, how far? 15, 20 feet. By the way, one guy told me it's like 120 feet. I wondered what kind of mansion he was living in. But it's nearby. You know, if it was a mile away, we'd all be in great shape. A snack bar is nearby. What's the storehouse? It's where we go to receive the word as you are right now. Worship together. Where we knit together and fellowship with other believers. And if we are honest, most of us are really good friends. We met them at the local church. It's where we have the opportunity to use our ministry gifts. Whether it's a Sunday celebration, home cell group, uh, life groups, or outreach at the local church. It's where we receive ministry for our personal needs, such as prayer, counseling, etc. It's where we... Uh, let me touch on this with prayer. Let's say... Some emergency, you or your child or loved one is sick in a you know, hospital. Are you going to call your favorite TV preacher to come and fly down and lay hands on your loved one and pray for them? Let me respond. Dream on. Come on, my friend. And yet, we will divide the tithe. Do as we see fit. Who's going to be there to pray for your loved one? In fact, you look at the next point. The storehouses where our children are dedicated, where they and we have been baptized, where we receive home and hospital visitation, where we get counseling, either via phone or in person from the pastor or leadership, and even where our wedding and funeral services are conducted. Now, you know, it's one thing to expect Pastor Steve to do your wedding service, but for those of us who are elderly, we even expect, even though we are dead and gone, that he will do the funeral service. And if you've been faithful, 
faithful part of your local church, a faithful tither, that's an appropriate expectation to have. Make no mistake about it then, the storehouse is the local church. It is not, and I speak as a minister who runs a ministry, it's not another ministry, it's not a TV ministry, it's not a missionary, I am not going to be there for you friend, I love you, but I'll see you in heaven. It's the local church, the leadership, the pastors, they are the ones who are there for you. That's your local church. That's where your tithe needs to go. And remember, it's not the amount. Don't beat up on yourself. It's the percentage. It's 10% of your gross income. It's not the size of the gift, but the size of the sacrifice. Just a little insert. If you're a sister here with an unsaved husband, what do you do? Well, first of all, by now you realize you should have married a saved guy. But that's too late now. What do you do? Remember Queen Esther. She was married to an unbeliever. But she prayed. And she even fasted and prayed at one point. And you know the old adage, sister, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. I mean, if his favorite is chicken pot pie, you make him that or whatever it is it takes. And then you ask him. She prayed, she had a banquet for him, and she asked him. And first of all, when he saw her, she was like, whoa, what do you want, sweetie? Up to the half of my kingdom, just ask me. But follow that example. We do not give tithes. We pay our tithes. I gave you references. In fact, since God owns all that we have or earn, He's just entrusted to us, to our stewardship, it would be just as appropriate to say, we return the tithe. You know, just imagine there were like 10, $100 bills here on my paycheck, you know, and I get it from my boss. Everything really comes from the Lord, right? Everything is His. There's 10 of them here. So imagine the, the Lord is our boss eventually. There's 10, I say, Lord, thank you so much for this, but just let me have, hand this back to you. We return the tithe to the Lord. That's another way. You pay your tithe, you return your tithe. Malachi 3, 6 to 15. Now these verses are in the same context. And in verse 6 it says, it is because of the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. You know why? Because He's a merciful, gracious, kind tender-hearted God that we are not consumed even though many of us, myself included in former times, have been robbing him of the tithe. So thank God he's a merciful God but don't take advantage of that. In verse 7, the second half, 7b, it says, God says, return to me, I will return to you. I just gave you that illustration there. Often we just take this in a spiritual context. You know in Isaiah it does say, draw nigh unto God. He will draw nigh unto you. He's talking about spiritually. But here he's talking about returning to God what is rightfully due to him, which is the tithe. And then you will understand the concept of 30, 60, 100 fold. Verse 8, it says, But will a man rob God? How have we been God robbers? By withholding our tithes and offerings. Verse 9, Therefore you are cursed with a curse. Why are some cursed with a curse? Because we've been withholding the tithe, because we've been behaving not like tithers, but like thieves, withholding the tithe that belongs to God. Verse 10, and I want to focus on this a little bit. Malachi 3.10, God says, Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse. Now many of us have children or nephews or nieces, little kids. When our son, I guess he's got some of my genes, when he was about two, three you know how kids sometimes, they'll take a toy and just fling it, throw it. 
even though it may be unbreakable, fissure-pickle, hard plastic. To me, that's not the issue. You do not throw stuff like that. So I would say, well, a few times this happens. Luke, pick up that toy and bring, notice the word bring, bring it to dad. You know how kids can defy you sometimes. I just give just a reasonable amount of so many seconds. If he doesn't, I get up. Now it's too late. He can change his name to Carl Lewis or Usain Bolt. I don't care. I don't care. Now you go for the toy. You have had it. You will receive the board of education on your seat of learning. I mean, will receive. My son has received it and I have zero regrets. When he was an older teenager in our cul-de-sac in Arizona where we used to live, you know what one of the British unchurched neighbors said to Luke? You know why we let you come and play with our two children? Because we think you are the best behaved boy in this cul-de-sac. I don't care what any government on this earth says, including the United States, whether it's President, Senate, or Congress, my Bible trumps every power that there is on this earth. Every power that there is on this earth. But then you have some parents who say, All right, Johnny, I'm going to count to three. One, two, two and a half. The parents need fivefold ministry. In the old days, in British courts, the king had his noblemen, courtiers, and they discussed matters of state. But he also had a jester, or a clown, or a fool. They were synonymous terms. In fact, the king would sometimes say, this is my trusted fool. Because in the midst of this heavy matter, weighty matters of state, the fool would crack a joke. And they would all laugh. But he had that diplomatic immunity, you know. And then they continued. So he was a trusted fool. But in those days, the king was the king. And the fool was the fool. But today in the West, our children have become the kings and the parents have become the fools. My son knew he was no king in our house. Are you with me? And I love my son. Don't you dare challenge how much I love my child. In fact, God says, as many as I love, Revelation 3.19, I rebuke, I chasten. My son was no bastard son. He is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. I hope you don't treat your child as an illegitimate child. I love you. Can I keep teaching? A pastor's job is to comfort the afflicted. A teacher's job is to afflict the comfortable. So I intend to do that. I must be true to the, to the heavenly vision that God has given me. When God says, bring all the tithe, I said to Luke, you pick up that toy and bring it to me. I am not pleading. It's an executive order or command. God says you bring the tithe or else you will have these issues in your life. Bring it to me. It's an executive order. Let me demonstrate this with a little. Just imagine this is my wallet here. We've sung this chorus in worship. I love you, Lord. You remember the next line? And I live. Now watch my version. This is not the Lord, but I. The Apostle Paul says that at least three times. So where do you get off saying, thus saith the Lord every time? The Apostle Paul said a few times, not the Lord, but I. So this is a not the Lord, but I moment. Ready? Here's how I see the body of Christ. Many, high percentage of them operating this way. 
the offering bag comes around or the plate i love you lord and i rob the church and worship you oh my soul hypocrite and we say with the people of god called by his name called out from darkness delivered from shame i submit we are shameless sometimes i do love you may i keep teaching wasn't tithing under the old testament law wherever i go in the world out back australia even you get some tough nuts you know oh but tithing was old testament let me share something with you in genesis 4 in fact if you have your bibles you can flip to that with me chapter 4 you know first of all what was adam doing in the cool of the day with god after creation he would walk with god and talk with god he communed with god he got to know the heart of god Now in verse chapter 4 from verse 1 Adam knew Eve his wife she conceived and bare Cain and said I've got a man from the Lord and again she bears brother Abel Abel was a shepherd Cain was a grain farmer and in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground and offering to the Lord and Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof and the Lord had respect to Abel and his offering but to Cain's he did not and Cain was mad okay what's the deal is it oh well and sometimes we wrongly teach our children on Sunday school well because Abel brought a lamb and that's a type of Christ now wait a minute you check the old testament they brought grain offerings too verse 3 in the hebrew in the process of time means in the sweet by and by both these guys would have been hungry they come back from work but for Cain it was first let me bake my bread take care of number 1 and then I'll pay the tithe Abel brought up the firstlings of his flock and the best he was hungry and tired too he put god first did your parents ever tell you this if you raised in a christian home first things first and put god first in your life i was privileged to have a mother who taught me that cain's would also have been accepted if he came with the right attitude and put god first your tithe should be the first thing on your budget not after you pay your mortgage or your rent or your food or your gas the tide should be the first thing on your budget may i share with you how we used to do it in leola when i lived in leola years ago now we live in australia friday evening i would write out the tide check that's both my paycheck my wife's paycheck the gross income other when i say i went from professional thief that was way back in asia i wasn't paying tide at all then i made it up in one whack and the lord provided $2000 showed up on my table from someone who borrowed some cash before felt so convicted after I made up the tithe that I had stolen but then I started tithing on the net income so that was a partial thief and when I heard teaching on that I remember sitting in a church and my wife of course women are usually more generous than men she's like digging me I'm thinking babe don't make it so embarrassing for crying out loud so we started paying on the gross so then I would write out on Fridays we got a paycheck usually every other week of Fridays write it out and have it ready in the church tithe envelope and had it set aside only then came anything else now you understand friends why god over these last 22 years has entrusted this ministry to us and the three bible schools standing today we need to get the foundations right so you first put the tithe in and this guy said oh but it was old testament no abel put god first watch me before anything else also 
Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek, king of Salem. He paid tithes. That was before even the law came through Moses. And also, who taught Cain and Abel to come and give these offerings to God? How did they know? They didn't have the Old Testament. Papa used to talk with God. So the whole concept of offering to God came direct from God through Adam and Eve to Cain and Abel and Seth and so on. It comes straight from God way before the law came to Moses. And then we saw in the end of the previous session how Jesus talks in Matthew and in Luke that you ought to pay your tithes. Are we giving according to our means or our meanness? Oh, by the way, the previous word was tithing preceded. It was preceded by Melchizedek way before the law and even after Moses, Jesus affirms it. Are we giving according to our means or our meanness? Deuteronomy 14, 23 says, You shall learn to tithe of the increase of your grain, wine, oil, and herds. Why? So that you may learn to fear the Lord your God. And we know from Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now listen closely. A person who tithes is demonstrating a fear of God. Fear meaning an awe, a reverence, a holy dread. So if I'm tithing, I'm demonstrating in my life by my actions that I fear God. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So it's a wise person who has the fear of God. So if you're wise, you will tithe. If you don't, you're opposite of wise and you can fill in the blanks there. Alright. Continue. You ought to keep tithing. Jesus' own mouth. So we don't do away with it, but neither should we do it as a dry, duty-bound thing. Let's do it with joy. Do it from our hearts. I've been in churches, a couple of them, where when the pastor announces, we're going to take up our tithes and offerings, there's a guy's whistling and clapping in the church. Wow! Amazing. Matthew 6, 19-21 in the Amplified, Jesus says, Don't gather or heap up treasures on earth, but store up treasure in heaven, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. May I share this? I believe many folk maybe some right here, are more concerned about paying their annual life insurance premium on time than about paying their tithes. My friend, when I'm dead and gone, this body is worth nothing. Just put a hole in the ground and throw me in. In fact, I actually have chosen to do something better than that. All my organs are to be harvested and my body is donated for science. Who cares? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Don't come up with this burials. You can have burials and cremations, but if someone dies at sea, the sharks had a feast, okay? The Lord is able to bring it all back. My point is, what is this body worth? But we are more worried. Why you pay your insurance premium? First pay your tithes, then pay your life insurance premium. Then your mortgage. That's the point I'm trying to make. Some people are more into life insurance than eternal investment. Lay up treasure in heaven, my friend. Malachi 3.10, God says, we are to bring the tithes. Why? So that there may be meat in my house. Now we know from John 4.24, God is a spirit. He doesn't consume that food. What he's saying in simple terms, your pastor and family need to be taken care of and fed. The church secretary needs to be paid. Your electric bill needs to be paid. Your water bill. So that there may be meat in my house. It's a simple, it's not like some mystical religion where you come and put a plate of milk there and there's a 
porous stone elephant whose trunk touches it and by osmotic pressure it kind of disappears. Meat in my house. No, this is to pay the bills. Nothing mystical or deceptive about it. Then God says, prove me now, says the Lord. This is one of the rare times in scripture when God himself says, prove me or test me. He has thrown down the gauntlet. Will you accept the challenge? And 10c, he says, third part of that verse. And if you do pay your tithes, A, I will open the windows of heaven. B, I will pour out a blessing upon you that won't be enough room to receive it. C, I will. That means God himself will rebuke the devourer from you. And D, all nations will call you blessed. Allow me to give you an illustration. Let's say there's a couple here and uh, the wife is really, really ill and she has the option of asking Pastor Steve to come and anoint her and lay hands on her or Brother Andrew who's a visiting minister for this week and come lay hands and anoint her. Or if she had the option of the Lord Jesus Christ showing up in person and laying his nail-pierced hand on her, who would she prefer? The answer's obvious. Would Pastor Steve or I be offended? No. God is saying, if you pay your tithes, I will personally rebuke the devourer from off of your life. Now, we need to come up for prayer, for repentance, for ministry from time to time. But when you see certain people coming up all the time, you wonder why the devourer is having a go at them. And don't think, oh, that person's so smug, they only come up once in a while. Maybe they're a tither and you're a thief. Oh, it's okay. Let's keep going. Because <laughs> God's rebuking the devourer from their life. This is food for thought. But do you come up? There are different times when we need to come up for ministry. Yes. Second Thessalonians 3.10 I shared this earlier. This is God's entitlement program with scripture reference. If a man does not work, he shall not eat. My Bible says, if you're able-bodied and you choose not to work, you are entitled to starve. And don't expect me to feel sorry for you. Get off your chair. Get off those welfare roads. This is one of the biggest reasons why not just the United States, but most of Europe, Australia, New Zealand are in debt. Because as nations, we violate scripture. And then people develop an entitlement mentality. The Bible says you are entitled to star. Suddenly, they'll be looking for jobs. I did say there's a couple of caveats. If you're a wounded veteran, if you're a single mom with a bunch of kids who's left by a deadbeat dad, I'm not talking about women who have nine children by seven fathers. Or a man who's fathering kids all over the place either. Tithing is not so much a money issue as it's a trust issue. Now don't get up on me, okay? It's a trust issue. What you're really saying is, I can trust God for other areas of my life, but not with my finances. Excuse me. Let me ask you this. Have you ever had a healing touch from God in your life? Yes. So we trust Him for healing. Ever had a financial miracle in your life? Yes. So we trust Him for finances. Or for our kids, whatever. But when it comes to paying tithes, we have difficulty here. And we say, well, I trust God in other areas, but not with my finances. Excuse me, whose finances? He owns everything. We shared earlier, the very next breath you and I draw is given to us by God. So whose finances is it to start with? Now, what some people are really saying is, Brother Andrew, you are just here today and gone tomorrow. You don't understand. The problem is I don't trust the 
pastor. That's why I don't tithe. So then I ask you, now don't walk out on me. Why are you here? Is that going to be the same tune you're going to sing the next church you go to and say, I don't trust that pastor? You don't trust anybody. Sometimes I don't trust anybody but myself. Then I ask, have you allowed the Holy Spirit to do a work in your life? So if this is my home church, then trust the leadership. Pray for If there's a time you have a difference, ask Pastor Steve or the elders, sit down and share your heart with them. But if God has called you to be part of Lighthouse Tabernacle, then get plugged in, pay your tithes, notice I keep them, pay your tithes, and become actively involved in the body of Christ. What we are saying is, I can do this one area, I can do a better job than God in this area. I will retain control in the area of finances. The real question is, can God trust me with his resources? That is the real question. By the way, some person here, I'm just going to pick it, like I run a ministry, or maybe you're with YWAM or whatever. You might say, well, I tithe into my own ministry. I could technically say, well, I'm going to tithe to Apt Foundation. What that means is, I'm going to take the money from my right pocket and put it in my left pocket. Because like the song, you know, I'm my own grandpa. I just moved it from here to here. No, everyone, myself included, needs a spiritual covering. As I just touched on earlier, when you're sick, when you need prayer, when you need help, when you need counsel, where do you go? It's not your TV preacher. It's the local church, the pastor, the elders, our baptisms, our weddings, our funerals. So, I need a covering. So you know what we do now? Just be more transparent. Now, I don't write a tide check every fortnight or every two weeks. I told the financial administrator of our home church, just debit our tithe out of the gross income and round it up. I'm not going to tell you details. And round it up every month. And then send the rest of the money into our ministry account. I cannot be more transparent with you than that. Do you understand why there's three Bible colleges and two Christian schools? If you're faithful the little, you'll be entrusted with even more. You know, some people, they're so careful with the tithe. Let's say they got uh, this week, you know, 375 or $374. So that's, or, you know, some, whatever, down to the cent, 37, 46. God, just round it up. Come on. And you go to the grocery store. You know, when they sell in bulk, they don't just fill like a bushel, you know, just even the apples on the bushel up. You know what I'm talking about? You go to Ruth's Farmer's Market. Oh, but with God, down to the last grain. Oh, this grain of rice is sticking on. It's got static. Dust it off. That's how some people treat God. Then they wonder, you know, just freely receive, freely give. Tithing is also a matter of lordship. Jesus Christ is either Lord of all or not at all. Proverbs 3, and honor the Lord with your possessions, the fruit of all your increase. So you tithe on the net or the gross, it says all increase, gross income. Tithing is a matter of commitment and obedience. You know why obedience is so hard? I love English, I teach the subject. Obedience has nine letters in it. O-B-E-N-C-E. The middle three letters are D-I-E. We will not die to the flesh in this area. That's why obedience is so hard. Die, my friend, to ourselves. It's a matter of obedience. 
on the first day of each week, 1 Corinthians 6, 2. Let everyone set aside something as he has prospered. By the way, prosperity is not a bad word. It's okay. But as God has blessed and prospered us, we should have set it aside. We should not be coming on Sunday morning and when the tithe plate comes, quick, take out something and pull out some. No, like Friday, you should have got your paycheck. You knew how to get your paycheck, right? So you write out your tithe check and round it up. Everyone say up. Oh, that was a bit difficult for some. Okay. So be ready beforehand. Use your church tithing system or your own envelopes, however you do it. As he has prospered, set it aside beforehand. By not tithing, you build a wall between yourself and the Lord, yourself and the leadership, yourself and other believers, and yourself and God's blessings. Let's break down those walls of partition, my friend. Sadly, some church leaders or board members do not tithe. Did you hear what I said? Some church leaders or board members sometimes do not tithe, are not diligent in tithing regularly. I submit to them two options. Number one, you repent and return the tithe you've been stealing and keeping aside from God. Or two, resign. I'm not asking you to quit the church, just resign from that response. Let me ask you, suppose my kid is seven years old and is part of the Sunday school. And the Sunday school teacher is a thief. You know what I mean now by thief. You're a tither or a thief. Can you see the spirit that is coming down to the children in that class? How can I? Oh, I'm here leading worship, playing instrument, one of the singers, and I'm a thief. How dare I handle the oracles of God with that huge deficit in my life? Repent. Remember, the first point was repent and return the tithe. Or if not, say, Pastor Steve, I have blown it in this area. I need to sit down until I get this thing right. There's an unbiblical concept of dividing the tithe. I'll split this up, this much to the church, this much to my favorite TV preacher, this much to my favorite missionary. No, no, no. If you want to bless us as a missionary, you put your full gross income, 10% of your gross income as tithes here, over and above and beyond that, you can give an offering to a missionary or a sponsor, a child or whatever. That's not to come from dividing the tithe. What happens when you go on vacation? Do you want the church PP&L bill to be paid on love and fresh air? Here's what I used to do. I would write out those checks ahead of time and post dated for the week it was due. You expect your boss to have your paycheck in your bank account, don't you? So we did the same thing. Come on, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to work this out. Vacation or no vacation, you pay your tithes. The Lord Jesus himself would have received gifts. Why else would he have had a treasurer? Do you know? He knew and saw how much people put in the treasury. He did not use Superman's X-ray vision, by the way. When he saw the widow's might, the Bible says he went up over against the treasuries like this. Uh, let me see how much people are putting. And then he saw the widow's might and he said, look, these guys are them much, but she gave everything she had. He is still watching today. I have a challenge for you. When the offering plate comes around, would you like your pastor to be more like Jesus? And see how much you're putting? I mean, Jesus saw what they put. We would be offended. It would be the talk of the town. Don't ever go to that church. But that's what Jesus did. So go and say, Pastor Steve, thank you for being so gracious. I'm not making this up. It's in your Bible. Check it out. But Jesus is still watching today. Perhaps the best way to bring money under the Lordship of Christ is to be liberal with it. That's the only time I say that liberal is a good word. Did you catch me? Hello. Liberal with it. Can you imagine God blessing a thief? 
Can you imagine that? Second Corinthians 9, 1 to 8. In the Amplified says, Let each one do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Many Christians are cheerful about their giving. You know why? Only because they got away with giving as little as possible. Tight wads. One person said, Oh, do you see, Joe? The last time he opened his wallet, I saw a moth fly out. I hope we don't come under that category. I remember one person said to another, He is so tight, he squeaks when he walks. And God, verse 8, is able to make all grace abound to you that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. And the Amplified says, good work and charitable donation. You know what many of us do? Pentecostal, tongue-talking, charismatic believers, you know what many of us do? We take this verse, print it out in color, put our name there, personalize it, tape one in the bedroom mirror, one in the bathroom mirror, and we keep on, pretty Polly, pretty dear. Listen, my friend, you can repeat this till the cows come home. And in Lancaster, you appreciate that phrase. Till the cows come home. But it ain't gonna work if you don't fulfill the Every promise of God is conditional. Before verse 8 comes 6 and 7. Alright? We don't have to do algebra 2 to figure that out. Before 8 comes 6 and 7. What does 6 and 7 say? 6 covers the entire principle of sowing and reaping. But people want 8 without 6 and 7 which is, if we sow sparingly, we shall also reap sparingly. If we sow bountifully, we shall reap bountifully. So Andrew doesn't need to print this out five times. Just sow bountifully and listen, the blessings of God will pass you by, will overtake you if you sow bountifully. We did in algebra, you know, x plus y equals 7. Then you use values of x equals 1, then y is 6. If x equals 2, then y is 4. If then, if then, if we sow bountifully, then we shall also reap bountifully. Ephesians 4.28 Let the thief steal no more. But let him be industrious, meaning hard working, and honest living with his own hands. Why? So that we can give to those in need. That's even above and beyond. Deuteronomy 8, 18, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power or the ability, the strength, the brains and the brawn, white collar job, blue collar job, it is God who gave us the intelligence and the strength to do that. So that what? I can buy my cottage in the Poconos. So that what? I can have my cabin by Ocean City. So that what? I can buy my hammer on my boat. So that he may establish his covenant. I mean, God bless you for the other things. But the main point is that, as Jesus said, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Thank you, Pastor Steve. Back to you.